Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPEL 232-1542 is the number. You can also reach out through the KPEL app chat. We are wrapping up this week, and boy, it has been a busy one. Let's start with the gubernatorial news that came out yesterday. This is, I think, probably one of the bigger stories because I think it's indicative of a bigger problem that we're seeing in Louisiana right now. Billy Nungesser, uh, on a radio show in New Orleans on Thursday, called for uh, Louis Garbage, the chairman of the Louisiana GOP, to, to resign. Um, this isn't the first time that he has gone after the Louisiana GOP. Of course, if you'll remember uh, back in November, Nungesser, um, he sit. So remember, the LAGOP uh, voted to endorse Jeff Landry. It wasn't an, it, the the endorsement wasn't official yet. The executive committee just took a vote, and that leaked to Jeremy Alford at Law Politics Weekly. Uh, Alford reported the news, and after he reported the news, Billy Nungesser, several other Republicans, blasted the move to endorse early, even though none of those other Republicans had actually jumped into the race yet. Keep that in mind. None of them were in the race, but they were very mad that the party was considering endorsing the only candidate in the race at the time. That's important. But anyway, Nungesser was, I think, particularly offended by it because Nungesser has been convinced that he had a path to victory. And I'm, I'm going to go into that momentarily. But Nungesser, one of the things he did is, using his campaign email, sent out a letter to supporters saying that this, you know, you're blasting the whole process, but then also gave the personal contact information of the executive committee, including Louis Gervich. The personal contact info didn't outright say it, but basically implied, hey, call them and demand answers. Call them and tell them you don't like what they're doing. And so that's, we see this, this rage at the LAGOP going forward. So anyway, then this week, uh, Gervich write, pens an op-ed, sends it out. Uh, the LAGOP sends it out. It's basically saying, uh, Garrett Graves, we hear you're preparing to run. Please don't. These are five reasons why you shouldn't. We're backing Jeff Landry. He's raised a bunch of money. You're still in Congress. We have a very narrow lead in Congress in terms of Republican advantage. We need you to stay there. We need you to focus on doing your job there. And that apparently set Nungesser off this week because he went on a radio show in New Orleans and absolutely trashed Garbage there. He is a disgrace to the Republican Party, he said. He is a disgrace to Louisiana. He's a dictator. He ought to resign. He is an embarrassment. So now with the thought that Garrett Grace might run, they're making calls again. He said, I got three calls last night and back to their old threats, promises, whatever it takes to browbeat people. That is Nungesser talking about LAGOP chairman Louis Garvich and the LAGOP. You know, nationally, the Republican Party is kind of at this point where they're trying to get their act together. And I'm saying the word act because the word I really want to say the FCC would not be happy with and there would be uh, fines and things like that and that I would be off the air suddenly. So I'm going to say they need to get their act together because what I really want to say is not appropriate, but you all know what I want to say. 
the GOP across the country needs to get its act together. The GOP, the actual Republican National Committee does. Every every uh, party-affiliated group, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, the National Congressional Campaign Committee, uh, all of it. They all need to get their stuff together. And they really are trying. You know, there's a race for chairperson of the RNC. Harmeet Dillon uh, is, is running against Ronna McDaniel. I have to give the obligatory Mike Lindell is running, even though nobody is taking Mike Lindell seriously. Uh, but it's not just at the national level. There are several state parties as well. There are several state-level parties that are really in need of some organization. Arizona's GOP really needs to work at getting itself together. Uh, The Michigan GOP needs a lot of work. There's several state parties. And actually, to be fair, the Louisiana Republican Party is not nearly as bad off as some of these others. The Georgia GOP is another one. But a lot of state-level Republican Party committees are just in need of some overhaul. And I'm not going to say that the Louisiana GOP is perfect. I question if it was too early to go ahead and endorse Jeff Landry. I question if they, you know, in the past, if they have really been tough enough on, on searching for candidates for positions and being sure to tell those candidates you need to follow these certain guidelines or else we're going to pull any support for you. In Louisiana right now, you can almost sort of see a civil war brewing because some Republican politicians are bucking. They're they're ignoring the state party. And they're really mad over the early endorsement. See, it's the fact that Louisiana is a single primary, a, a, a jungle primary state. Everyone being on the ballot. We've wanted closed primaries. In fact, one of the people running, Sharon Hewitt, was the had... According to the whispers out of Baton Rouge, it actually asked to be able, the one to write the bill for closed primaries, but then did nothing with it in the last legislative session. She's part of actually the problem here. Sharon Hewitt doesn't want closed primaries. None of these Republicans who are complaining about the process right now want a closed primary because they know they'd get smoked. But the jungle primary system is actually part of the problem in Louisiana. We don't have these closed primaries, and therefore... You have every Republican thinking they've got a shot because they can just not only divide the Republican vote, but also draw some moderate, you know, conservative leaning Democrats over. In 2015, former U.S. Senator David Vitter ran for governor. There were two other Republicans in that race, Scott Angel and Jay Darden. They took turns trashing Vitter, left John Bell Edwards alone. Then. When it went to the runoff, Scott Angel refused to endorse, and Jay Darden took it a step further and negotiated a deal to get a job in Edwards' administration. And there was no punishment. There was no excommunication of these two from the Republican Party, even though there should have been. Four years later, Congressman Ralph Abraham is running. Eddie Rispone is running. Eddie Rispone, a millionaire, has a bunch of his own money, drops a bunch of money, to attack Abraham. And it was at that moment the Edwards administration, the Edwards campaign team, wiped the sweat from their brow because that is the exact moment they knew they could win this. And so Rispone attacks Abraham, baselessly, terrible campaign attacks, 
dishonest and misleading. And Ralph Abraham, his entire congressional district says, we like Ralph. We don't like what you're doing. We're either not going to vote for you or we're going to vote for John Bell Edwards. Now, there were some loyal Republicans in there, but the Republicans lost a lot of the vote in that race. John Bell Edwards wins again. And the Louisiana Republican Party really didn't do anything to respond. He really didn't condemn Responi in any meaningful way. So now there's a history of Republicans being able to attack other Republicans, being able to attack based on solely on their ambition. There is no team spirit among the Republican Party in the state of Louisiana. It's all about getting it for yourself. And so here we are now, the Louisiana GOP, I think in an effort to correct all of that, kind of overcorrected with this early endorsement of Jeff Landry. They got the ball rolling. They had this endorsement. And now the other Republicans who had not even declared that they were running yet. It was expected that they would, but they they had not even declared they were running yet. They get mad. They floundered. They didn't declare. They wanted to wait. And because they waited, they missed out on that opportunity. They saw Jeff Landry announce. They should have announced so they could try to whip up, try to gin up some support, gin up some donors. And the Louisiana GOP would not have made an endorsement had there been anybody else but Jeff Landry in the race. Not saying it was the right thing to do, but saying it's understandable why they would have done it after the last two gubernatorial elections. Keep in mind, Jeff Landry is the second most popular elected Republican in the state behind John Kennedy. He's arguably the best fundraiser in the state. He's raised a bunch of money, not just for himself and his campaign, but also for the LAGOP. Nungesser decided to back out of the governor's race because he saw he no longer had a lane to win because the entire party was already lining up against, uh, lining up behind Jeff Landry. So he decided to back out. John Schroeder's still in, Sharon Hewitt's in, Richard Nelson is now in. I expect we can probably see one or two other Republicans try to jump in. But the fact of the matter is, Billy Nungesser thought he had a path to victory. Now, why? Billy Nungesser thought he could take the moderate lane and that he could win Republican support and Democrat support. And I've explained this before, but there's something that you have to know about the not-so-center parts of each party. If you try to run as a moderate, you're telling the the further to the right and left sides of the political spectrum, you don't need them. If you are a Republican running, positioning yourself as a moderate, what you're telling the conservatives in your parties, I don't need you. I can do this without you because I will get the other side to join me as well. And it shuts the conservatives down. The conservatives don't want to endorse that. They don't want to be part of that. They will vote out of party loyalty about seven, eight times out of ten, but they're not going to be happy about it. And if you go out and alienate them, really alienate them, saying that you don't need them, talking in ways that alienates them, what you're going to do is find that less than seven or eight out of time, eight times out of ten, they'll support you. And you'll start losing. That's what happened to Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, a combination of a terrible get-out-the-vote system and the fact that he ran a campaign that basically flipped off conservatives Mitt Romney had no chance of beating Barack Obama. 
It happens all the time when moderate Republicans try to run as the moderate and say to conservatives, I don't need you. Conservatives shrug and say, "Okay," and turn and go home. Two, three, two, fifteen, forty two. I know some of y'all are on the lines. Just hold on with me through the break. We will be back here on the Joe Cunningham show. Also, you can send a message through the KPL app chat and I'll respond to those as well. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham show in just a moment right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Anyway, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, let's go ahead and jump to the phone lines. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who am I speaking with? Uh, This is Charlie. Hi, Charlie. How are you today? Well, that's fine. Um, I'd like to uh, talk about uh, uh, some of the things you're bringing up. Um, And first of all, you're exactly right. Closed primaries is the answer to the uh, some of the things that are going on today. I was at the very center of the uh, endorsement uh, for Jeff. I have yeah. to be a deputy chairman of the state party. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like to correct some of the uh, things that are, are – it's really a misnomer out there as to what took place with the, the endorsement of Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, have I've heard in the media that, well, this was done by the uh, a few members of the executive committee and – in a dark room somewhere and late at night and it was done by these. Well, that's absolutely not correct. This was an organic effort, really at the request of, you might say about a million Republicans because that's how many Republicans we have in the state and we constantly, as members of the state central committee and other Republican officials, we hear, give us one candidate. Why do we have to continue to go through what we've gone through, especially the last two election cycles? Since we don't have a closed primary, there is uh, only a couple of uh, remedies available to us. Uh, One of those remedies would have been a convention. Uh, We at the State Central Committee meeting last year tried to establish a convention where there'd be about 1,500 people coming in or more from across the state, appointed by state central committee members, a real grassroots effort, have all the candidates come in, uh, endorse a candidate in the convention, and move forward. Uh, That got derailed primarily by supporters of Billy Nungesser. Mm -hmm. They didn't want a convention. So since that got derailed, there's only – Really, one other method, well, there's two other methods left to us. One is to go through what we've typically done in the past, and where has that gotten us? Yeah. Uh, or number two, a, uh, a majority of the state central committee members come together and request of the executive committee to make an endorsement. Mm-hmm. The endorsement of Jeff Landry did not originate in the executive committee. In fact, the executive committee as a committee, had nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. until more than 50% of the state Republican Party signed endorsement letters requesting that the executive committee endorse Jeff Landry. Mm -hmm. When those endorsement letters were presented to the executive committee, the chairman reviewed every one of the signatures, actually went through them one by one, made random calls to make sure, hey, did you actually sign this? And once they verified more than 50% of the state central committee 
not just a few people on the executive committee, mm-hmm. actually wanted to endorse Jeff Landry, and it was done so organically from people who wanted to get together. The campaign certainly would like to have the endorsement. And by the way, any other person, whether they were announced or not, could have gone to executive, uh, I mean, to state central committee members. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, why don't you uh, why don't you endorse me in this? So everybody could have done that. All right, but Charlie, thank organically. I thank you very much for the information. Unfortunately, I'm right up against the heartbreak, but I appreciate you calling in. Um, and that's what I kind of figured happened. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna take a break. Charlie, hang on a sec. Uh, let me talk to you in just a sec. But we'll be right back here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Uh, I went ahead, held Charlie over because I know there was some more, Charlie, that you wanted to mention about the whole process of nominating Jeff Landry. And I know that based on what I've read and kind of what I've heard, like you were saying, there's a bit of misinformation out there. This wasn't some, you know, cloakroom type deal. And, and you were kind of explaining how this process originated. But I wanted you, I know there's some other things that you wanted to add. So, uh so I'm, I'm, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. For that. It's almost comical when I hear uh, the state party is in disarray and, and uh, civil uh, war within the party. It's almost comical because today we have nearly two thirds of the state Republican Party that signed endorsement letters for, for Jeff Landry. Now, two thirds of, of, of this party coming together on any issue is almost unheard of. So we are together more as a party than this than we have ever been from that standpoint. In fact, the fact that we've got nearly two thirds that have actually signed their their name, not not hey, I'm waving my hand and yeah, I think I'll do so. That have actually signed their name to the fact that they support the endorsement of Jeff Landry, and I commend our chairman in writing this letter. Uh, he did what he was supposed to do as a chairman, and to point out the real severe potential damage. Um, if uh, if Mr. Graves got in the race, because it could potentially do damage to our nation, as close as we are in Congress right now to a um, uh, you know very close split between the Republicans and Democrats, it doesn't mm-hmm. take but a couple of losing a couple of uh, Republicans. Uh, remember, there is uh, ten or fifteen uh, Republican House members that represent Democrat districts. So when you get down to that two or three range, uh, we can put our entire republic further in jeopardy by losing the House back. So I think he took extreme leadership asking uh, Mr. Graves not to run. He's a good guy. I think he's a great congressman. But uh, we're laser-focused on electing one Republican candidate. Now, when it comes to Mr. Nungesser, uh, I think it's interesting that he writes this letter and really complaining about the state party when, number one, he's against one of our main issues, and that's closed primaries. He he rails against it. But let's not forget, he actually produced an article shoulder-to-shoulder uh, uh, shoulder with John Bell Edwards on the transgender athlete issue. Mm-hmm. He did not want that bill passed. He stood with John Bell Edwards on that. So. Uh, if there's anybody that's, that is an outlier from what Republicans believe on those issues, those two issues uh, make it pretty difficult to to believe that you're within the mainstream of the Republican Party. But we are to d- together today as a party like we've never been focused on 
electing a governor. Certainly there's other issues and things out there. But the most important thing for this state right now is to elect a governor that will be a shock to the system. Let's get this state moving. Let's get uh, kids educated. Uh, let's get jobs going for a change and stop playing kumbaya like we've done. I appreciate what our state uh, party chairman has done. The party is solidly behind this. And until we get closed primaries and, you know, uh, you mentioned Senator uh, Sharon Hewitt, a lover to death. But in her committee, we couldn't even get it heard. Yeah. So we've got to move forward. Over a million Republicans in this state are telling us we need a party that's taking a leadership role. And you have a state Republican Party that's doing that now. And we're going to get Jeff Landry elected governor, and we're going to bring jobs and and economy back into the state. All right, Charlie, thank you very much for all that. I appreciate uh, your perspective on it. And, uh, you know, as uh, you know, like everybody else, anytime you want to call in, anytime I say something you want to correct, anytime you want to let your voice be heard, please feel free to call in. I appreciate that. And it's silly to think the party is in disarray. We are together like we've never been. All right. Thank you very much for the call. All right. Two, three, two. Thank you. Two three two fifteen forty two. If you want to be part of the conversation as well, um, and again, thanks to Charlie for calling in and and giving that that perspective on it. I, I want to move on though. I want to move away from the state because there is something I've wanted to talk about since Tuesday. Unfortunately, uh, I was out uh, Wednesday. Uh, I was out Wednesday. Mark sat in for me. Uh, my my oldest daughter had surgery, so I. You know, I was the parent who who took her to that, and I just could not be here on Wednesday because I had to be at home with her while she was recovering. Not a major surgery or anything like that, just uh, something we had to get dealt with. And then yesterday, uh, there, I mean, there was a lot of news to, to cover, so I haven't really been able to get to this, even though I've wanted to since Tuesday. I put it in the show notes for Tuesday. I, it was a link. It was it was on China, and I wanted to bring it I I really wanted to talk about it because I think it's one of the big issues that we need to discuss as China is a major global player and they are more and more, I mean, just it's it's pretty obvious that they are probably our biggest geopolitical adversary right now. I mean, Russia is as well. We're kind of in a tripolar world where it's the U.S. And, and its allies versus China and its allies and Russia and its allies. And sometimes the Russians and the Chinese are on the same side. Sometimes they're not. The Chinese in particular, not really happy with Russia for uh, invading Ukraine because they wanted to do the same to Taiwan. But now the entire world is kind of on to, you know, how that's not a great thing. And so that kind of took away the Chinese uh, government's ability to do that. So they're not happy with the Russians for that and some other things. But China's population is now shrinking. There's a piece in the New York Times from earlier this week. Uh, it's behind the paywall, so if you have a New York Times uh, membership or subscription, you'll be able to see it. Otherwise, you may just try to have to find the text online somewhere. But let me give you the highlights. The government said on Tuesday that 9.56 million people were born in China last year, while 10.41 million people died. It was the first time deaths had outnumbered births in China since the Great Leap Forward, Mao Zedong's failed economic experiment that led to widespread famine and deaths in the 1960s. Which, by the way, if you have never read about and really looked at what the Great Leap Forward did in China, you really need to because there are some people, even in the U.S., who really think that's the, something similar is the way to go in the U.S. I'm not making that up. Some people really think that's what we need to do here. 
Chinese officials have tried for years to slow down the arrival of this moment, loosening a one-child policy and offering incentives to encourage families to have children. None of those policies worked. Now, facing a population decline coupled with a long-running rise in life expectancy, the country is being thrust into a demographic crisis that will have, a, that will have consequences not just for China and its economy, but the world. Over the last four decades, China emerged as an economic powerhouse in the world's factory floor. The country's evolution from widespread poverty to the world's second largest economy led to an increase in life expectancy that contributed to the current population decline. More people were living longer while fewer babies were being born. That trend has hastened another worrying event, the day that when China will not have enough people of working age to fuel its growth. As of right now, China is facing a massive population decline, according to this New York Times article. And four to five decades from now, everything that China has done to make itself a major economic power will be undone because of that. The one-child policy, the focus on having a boy to carry on the family line, and, and, and the absolute murder of daughters of girls who were born, the abortions of unborn girls. It has led to a major population crisis in China. Right now, right now, uh, Xi Jinping is a very interesting figure in global politics. He really he is part of the Communist Party. They are the party in charge. They are the party in power. But there's something else here. There are essentially three Chinas. There is the Communist Party of China, which is the ruling party. And some of these other groups I'm mentioning are in the Communist Party. But there are the hardcore communists, the hardcore command economy communists. Then there are the nationalists who are communist, but they don't want any foreign influence in their country. They don't like American companies setting up factories in China. They don't want to be dealing with the world as much. And when the world tries to deal with China, they get, they get bristled up by it. See, the nationalists are older Chinese the older hardline communist Chinese. They don't want that foreign influence in. Xi Jinping is not one of them. He's trying to keep the nationalists happy. That's why he keeps talking about Taiwan, why they keep making threatening moves at Taiwan, because he's trying to keep the nationalists happy. The third group is the group that we see in news reports every now and then. They're not a major group, but they're getting influence, and more worryingly for the Chinese, they're getting press. And that's the democracy group. That's what happened in Hong Kong. That's what we're seeing in Taiwan. That's what we saw with the protests against COVID lockdowns. This younger generation wants freedoms. They want democracy. They want to be able to exercise more control over their own lives. And there's this generational crisis. Now, the reason... Part of the reason the numbers are so low for the pro-democracy group is that the one-child policy and similar policies killed off a lot of the younger generation. There are fewer in the younger generations than there are in the older generations. 
And because China is now in this demographic crisis, and because China is really, really pushing and overexerting themselves, manipulating their currency, making deals with foreign powers to bring these international companies in, because all of this is happening, the, the, the balance is off in China. The nationalists aren't happy, the communists aren't happy, and the pro-democracy groups aren't happy. And so now what we're seeing in China is a demographic crisis and quite possibly an internal governmental crisis. I'm not saying the communists are about to be overthrown, but just recently Xi Jinping had the former president of China forcibly removed from the Communist Party convention. He has moved very quietly to get businessmen in China who were loyal to the Democrat to the to the Communist Party, but were also making too much money. He disappeared them and seized their assets. Things are becoming a little bit off off kilter in China. And what we're seeing from China right now with this demographic crisis coming and with this generational crisis coming. What we're seeing is instability that the Chinese aren't used to and haven't been used to for decades. And it's really worrying a lot of them. And it's very, very interesting to see how it will affect the Chinese going forward. All right, let's take our last break of the day. We've got some folks on the lines. Try to get to them when we get back from this break. Your calls, of course, 232-1542, and your messages on the KPL app chat. We'll check over those here during this break. Y'all stick around. The Joe Cunningham Show back in just a moment right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.